It is good to be with you all on this 15th Sunday after Pentecost and this glorious and rainy Labor Day weekend in South Florida. This morning, we are going to spend some time pondering the words of Isaiah. Isaiah is a poet prophet, and he makes God real and present by his beautiful images and words. One thing I love about Isaiah is that he takes the stuff of our ordinary and sometimes disappointing human experience, and he shows us how God uses it to create and to save and to give hope. In chapter 35, that's what Isaiah is doing. I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 35, verses 4 to 7a, and I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool in the thirsty ground springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wouldn't want to preach a message that no one needed to hear. And thankfully, the prophet Isaiah names the audience. So who are they? In the NRSV, they are those who are of a fearful heart. In verse 4, it's not a bad translation, especially in light of the instruction, do not fear, later in the same verse. In the Hebrew, however, the phrase literally means ones whose hearts are racing. So Isaiah's message is intended for people whose hearts are racing. Do we know anything about racing hearts? Someone cuts you off on I-95 and you had to swerve into the next lane. You barely avoided a collision. While out for a morning walk, a dog, a big dog, appears out of nowhere, jumping out onto your path. It's not a golden retriever like my beloved Sandy. Rather, it's a big and angry dog growling and barking at you. Your heart is racing. We call it the stress response, or more commonly, the fight or flight response. According to the Cleveland Clinic, a natural fight or flight response is driven by your sympathetic nervous system. A hormone called epinephrine or adrenaline is released through the bloodstream. It stimulates muscles, directs blood flow, and accelerates metabolism. Your heart rate and blood pressure increase. At the same time, it causes the senses to close in your pupils will dilate to take in more light so that you can see better. You're on edge, you're very tense, or even trembling. And your bladder might even be affected. 
your body is trying to prioritize. So anything it doesn't need for immediate survival is placed on the back burner. Theory has it that we evolved these stress responses for situations of acute danger. Think run from a bear. The fight or flight response might be triggered if you're in a car accident, being robbed, or experiencing something else traumatic. What is tricky is when your body starts triggering the stress response during non-threatening situations, like trying to meet a deadline at work, or giving a big presentation, or even just thinking about a phobia. They also trigger our stress responses. So in our today's world, our fight or flight response is often activated from stress and not just to help us survive. Think work, bills, kids, COVID, health issues. The fight or flight response is an important reaction that we all have and need but it's meant for true stress and danger. This is a reminder to all of us that we need to get in touch with our physical, emotional, and behavioral signs of stress. Well, here in our passage, Isaiah is addressing ones whose hearts are racing, those whose hearts are full of fear and anxiety. It is little wonder that the people were fearful. The prophet Isaiah, writing centuries before Jesus, addresses a nation that is frightened, and for very good reason. Judah is a small nation, a weak nation, and vulnerable in the face of the great and threatening armies of the Assyrian Empire. The circumstances were chaotic and uncertain. The future could not look more grim. There were a lot of shaking hands and weak knees in Judah. Beginning in verse 3, the prophet urges them, Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. It's a message of hope and courage, of course. The prophet shouts out, The wilderness and the desert will sing joyously. The desert shall bloom and rejoice. Weak hands and rubbery knees will be strengthened. Have courage. Take heart. God is here, right here. Blind eyes will be opened. Deaf ears unstopped. The lame will leap like deer. The voiceless will break into song. God will put things right and redress all wrongs. Springs of water will burst out in the wilderness, and streams will flow in the desert. A paraphrase of Eugene Peterson's version from the message. Friends, I hear in it joy, promises, and a future. A future filled with the promises of God. Not simplistic promises, but difficult promises when stacked up against the terrors of life that come into all of our lives at one point or another. God's promises are for those with racing hearts, 
not just for the people of Judah, but also for God's people in 2021. Those with fearful hearts in our congregation, our communities, in our cities, and nations. Who are they? Afghan women and children hiding for fear of their lives. Louisianans worried about their homes. Haitians in need of water, food, and shelter, and also toothbrushes, toothpaste, and good job. Those around the globe grieving the loss of loved ones. Those who haven't stopped running in years. Those trying to manage a healthy work-life balance. Those who are angry and can't seem to maintain relationships with others. Those who are terrified to speak. Those who are anxious about you fill in the blank. Yet, inside our bodies are racing hearts in expectation of something good. It's true. Our hearts race in anticipation of a bright light in the darkness. In fact, I have noticed that hearts also race while praying for a word of hope in the waiting room. Admittedly, most times we find ourselves in the waiting room without a choice. We've all been there at one point or another, whether waiting for a new job, pacing the floor of a hospital room, longing for a word of hope that your loved one will survive. Perhaps you're seated outside a courtroom waiting to hear the verdict. How many are waiting for the pandemic to end? Yeah, me too. Sometimes the waiting room is wherever you are, waiting for your circumstances to change, waiting to move into your new home, waiting for a phone call that brings relief, waiting for God to show up, waiting for a breakthrough. In my training as a chaplain through my clinical pastoral education, we saw a remarkable movie, which was actually made for television. Wit is the title from a play by Margaret Edson. It's about a woman named Vivian, who is an English professor whose specialty is John Donne, the 16th century poet and clergyman. Vivian is dying of cancer and she is virtually alone. As death nears, Vivian's doctoral advisor and mentor, now an elderly woman, goes to visit Vivian in the hospital. And she does the most uncommon thing. She removes her shoes and climbs into bed and holds Vivian. That's when I started crying. She opens a book, this dignified, sophisticated scholar of 16th century English literature, and reads to Vivian. And guess what? It's not John Donne. It's a simple child's book about love that will not let us go. Once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away. So he said to his mother, I am running away. If you run away, said his mother, I will run after you, for you are my little bunny. 
If you run after me, said the little bunny, I will become a fish in a trout stream and I will swim away from you. If you become a fish in a trout stream, said his mother, I will become a fisherman and I will fish for you. I will become a bird and fly away from you. If you become a bird and fly away from me, said his mother, I will be a tree that you come home to. Though chaplains were not advised to climb into beds with patients, Vivian's mentor and the runaway bunny served as a bright light in the darkness and hope for the journey with Vivian's mentor as an incarnational presence in the midst of a broken and hurting world. Friends, human presence and human voices are resources when we are afraid. When our daughter was little, she was afraid of the dark. And when we would tuck her into bed, she would say, good night, sweet dreams, love you. And she would then say, good night, sweet dreams, love you, mom, do the laundry. You see, our washer and dryer were upstairs near the bedrooms, and she wanted to know that I was nearby. She wanted the security of her parents, the sounds of home and safety and love, even in the dark. To those with fearful hearts, we are reminded that fear is a natural part of life. In his book, Congregational Leadership in Anxious Times, Peter Steinke says that regulating anxiety and fear to the point of having no anxiety is humanly impossible. Anxiety or fear is always present. It is a fundamental human expression even a healthy response to life, end quote. Though we experience fear and anxiety, we are told frequently in scripture to not be afraid because of where fear can lead. That is, fear can lead to demoralized feelings, paralyzed actions, and ultimately, disobedience. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, Isaiah 35, 4. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my victorious right hand, Isaiah 41, 10. Be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, Joshua 1, 9. Do not fear, only believe, Mark 5, 36. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid, John 14, 27. To a frightened nation, to any who face the ultimate threat to life, to shepherds in the night and frightened disciples, fear not, says the Lord. Fear not, says the Lord. The people of Judah didn't know how the story would end, but we've read the Bible and we know how it ends. Sometimes at memorial services, I read from the book of Revelation. And in the first phrase of chapter one in Revelation, John introduces this book as the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation 
of Jesus Christ. We sense it at rare moments. In the fight against COVID, the brave medical army stands strong with thermometers, stethoscopes, and ventilators as their weapons. The sacrifice that they are making for the safety and welfare of humanity is priceless and gives us hope and deserves lifelong gratitude on our part. A beautiful sunrise greets those who rise to assess the damage of the storm in New Orleans. The sunrise follows Hurricane Ida the day before, and there will be many days of struggle yet to come. But for a moment, hope, a new day, morning has broken. Or how about Samuel Barber's adagio for strings played at a funeral? The striking beauty of it comes out of the heartbreak and grief of those who are listening. Friends, there is suffering all around. We cannot deny it. Racing hearts persist. But it's right here in the book of Isaiah. God's promises and assurance come in the prophet's words to those who are afraid. Be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. And you and I have the opportunity to participate in what God is already doing. As Anne Frank wrote so profoundly in The Diary of a Young Girl, an important human document, how wonderful it is that nobody need to wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. A child's voice shining light in the darkness. Friends, we are called to participate in God's redeeming work in Fort Lauderdale and beyond, using our individual God-given gifts and talents. How will you and I use these gifts to the best of our ability to bless others in our church, our homes, our workplaces, our schools, and our communities? How are we, as a church, using our gifts and talents collectively to make disciples of Jesus Christ by leading people to Jesus, learning about our faith, living a Christ-centered life, and loving our neighbor through the ministries of service and compassion. O oh Lord, may those we meet wherever we go experience the love of Jesus Christ through our words, our actions, and our very presence. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we are humbled to be your children, and we thank you that you decided to include us in your plan to redeem the world. When we are afraid, Lord, remind us that we are never alone, for you are always with us, whether we acknowledge you or not. Give us the courage, give us the grace to step into your power. Strengthen us and teach us your ways and send us into the world to be your hands and feet in a broken and hurting world. May those we meet experience the love of Jesus Christ through our words, our actions, and our very presence. Through Christ our Lord we pray. 
Amen.